Hey, everybody, before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to make sure you're following Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. We're on Facebook under that name. We're on Instagram and Twitter under Testis Cancer. That's T-E-S-T-E-S Cancer, C-A-N-C-E-R, which I'm very sure that you know how to spell at this point. So make sure you give us a follow if you're not already so that when we post new content or post reminders for your monthly self-exams, you can be the first one to see it. Thanks so much. Let's get into the episode. The stories shared on It Takes Balls are unique to the individual sharing. Always speak with your trusted medical provider for treatment options specific to you. Welcome back to It Takes Balls, presented by Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation. Today, I'm joined by a testicular cancer survivor and one of Colorado's hottest businessmen. Not just saying that because he's good looking. He's also a a very successful meteoric rise businessman. Daniel Ramirez, thank you for being here. Thank you, Stephen, man. I appreciate it. And been kind of cool and you know i know we've been talking about getting on here for a long time and when i first connected with you i kind of was just first diagnosed so you've you've been through that ride with me so i appreciate it and you know honestly kind of fun you know being able to see each other for the first time via zoom so it's thanks for having me man oh yeah likewise it's good to see you finally um first of all i want to thank you on behalf of tcaf for your donation um if that was your restaurant i believe yeah yep yep our restaurants yeah Cool. So yes. tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, you know, I'm Daniel Ramirez. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'm a Hispanic Mexican guy that loves to eat tacos and burritos. I mean, that's all we're all about. You know, I grew up in the, the industry. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I have an older brother, Luis. I, uh, I ended up, um, you know, going to high school, graduating, playing football in, in college, um, had the opportunity to come back and be a, uh, you know, strength and conditioning coach for, for my old alma mater. And then, you know, finally got back into our restaurant industry and, you know, from there was able to take our, you know, family business, you know, from a, you know, pretty good, you know, restaurant sales wise to doubling that in about five years and being able to create a structure and continued, um, you know, success. And, you know, had the opportunity to meet my wife there. I have a beautiful son and, uh, you know, and this was all pre testicular cancer. And, you know, of course I'm a, I'm a testicular cancer survivor. So, you know, that's a, that's me in a nutshell to say the least. <laughs> nutshell. Perfect. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you were, you said strength and conditioning coach, you have been building this restaurant up. It seems like it's something that happens to guys in the prime of their lives. I mean, that's right where you were in the prime. Yeah, honestly it was, you know, especially it's, it's crazy. You know, going through this process, I think a lot of us, uh, you know, with, with you know, being said, hey, you're diagnosed with cancer and testicular cancer, it's like you're already running, you know, 500 miles an hour. And, you know, and when they tell you this, like your mind races even more and, you know, then you come into a complete crash. Like, what the heck? Like, why me? Why this? And, you know, and uh, I know th- throughout that time, I was like, you know, well, why me? Right. It's like, why? And of course we always ask the question why, but maybe it'll why in the sense of a good thing. Like maybe it's, you're running too fast. Or I was, I, you know, going through that and realizing it back, I was like, I was running way too fast. I was thinking, you know, I was still 14, 15, 16 year old teenager that, you know, had the life in the palm of his hands and, you know, and I was just going too fast. And when they give you that, it's kind of like a sticker shock. Like you're going to go buy a new car. It's like, well, wait, what? Like, are you serious? And, but it's like, no, you have, you have cancer. So it was like, it's just, it's, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. What age were you when you were diagnosed? Uh, 20. So I was 28, uh, 28. So that was 2000, 
21. So last year, so I was 28 and then I turned 29 that June. Wow. Okay. And I started chemo like three weeks after, after I turned 29. So let's talk about, let's go step-by-step step through your, your treatment. So when you were first diagnosed, I mean, what was kind of running through your head and what kind of got you to go to the doctor to begin with? Yeah. So it's crazy. So it was like during the month of April and you know, before all that, like it was weird. Like, you know, I was more edgy. I would start like, I would say like in January ish, you know, just thinking back, like I was more on edge, you know, more, you know, I guess emotional to say the least. I was just more sensitive. Uh, and you know, I was, it was even weird. Cause you know, I, I took a trip to Hawaii in March with my family and, uh, the first time I ever got like a weird rash on my skin, it was the weirdest thing. I couldn't even be in the sun. Like it would be itchy. Like it was just super weird. I'm like, that's just weird. I don't know if it's related or not, but just some weird things that were just happening. And, uh, and it was about, I would say about a week before Easter, you know, my, my son was so attached to me and just, just in a weird attachment way. Like, I'm like, why? Like, like he would literally, you you had to pull him off of me. Like I would try to walk away. I like, go, go to a table. I got the restaurant. If you were eating or something, like he would not want to get off of me. And, you know, and he ended up stepping up on, on my crotch area and my right testicle just went like, it just inflamed. I'm like, that's not good. Like that just doesn't seem right. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kept an eye on it for about a week, week and a half. And, and, you know, I was like, you know what, this doesn't look good. So I want to say it was April 16th when I went and got a physical. I'm like, look, I'm going to go get this checked. And the doctor was like, hey, you know, a lot of us, they, they tend to misdiagnose and say, well, have you done this? Maybe it's an SCD, so on and so forth. We're going to get you on medication. I'm like, no, I mean, I would just love to get an ultrasound. Like, you know, was, can we just do that? Like, I don't mind paying for it. It's fine. And then she checks like my testicle and she's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. He does seem a little bit like, let's get you an ultrasound. So we go to the ultra, go to the ultrasound tech. I feel like it was the, like the third day after that. And I'm like, Oh man. Okay. So going to the ultrasound, like in the back of your mind, right? Like your mind is racing. You have a huge testicle. Like you can see it through your pants. Like, it's just like, that just doesn't seem right. Like you just know, like it just doesn't, it's not good. Right. And then you start looking up on Google, like, what the heck is this? It's like, okay, it's not just like your torsion because it's, if it was, then I probably would have been to the doctor. Like you just start thinking and thinking and thinking and going through a downward spiral. So your adrenaline's like just a super on high right now. And, you know, once I got my ultrasound and of course the tech never says anything and, they just say, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And they scan it and then you, you're out like, cool. Like you can't say anything. And even though they know something's not right, uh, two days after that, I get a call from my, the, the, from the ultrasound text. Like, Hey, you, you should, you know, you should go see a urologist and you know, went to the urologist and you know, well, first of all, like with that whole deal, it was crazy because I, I ended up making an appointment and they didn't have any appointments. The appointment was only going to be for that, like in two weeks. And I said, okay, fine. That's fine. I'll, I'll take it. And then I started reaching out to a couple people and, you know, I actually ended up connecting with the, uh, one of the, one of the head guys at a urologist is like spot. And, you know, he, he was nice enough to say, let me just take a look and take a look to see what it is. And he didn't, it's mostly, they do, what do they do? They do, uh, you know, vasectomies and things like that. So, I mean, he didn't have too much on his plate and he saw my, my ultrasounds that day. And he's like, yeah, Danny, this, this doesn't look good. It's, it's, it's cancer. I'm like, he's like, it's 90, I'm like 98% sure it's cancer, but let's, uh, I know you're going to see my counterpart in two weeks, but I want to see you tomorrow morning. So 
went in tomorrow, went in that next morning. Um, and you know, and, and he's like, yeah, so this is what's going to happen. It's testicular cancer. And, uh, on the background, I'm going to start working on getting surgery prepped up for you. And we're going to get that done next week. And I said, okay, that works. That was fast. Um, and you know, it was April 27th when I got my surgery. Um, and I mean, it was like, you know, of course you don't know what's going on. Like you feel like your body starts to hurt. Like you feel you can't breathe because then you start looking at all these symptoms that is metastasized. Like you're just sitting on the couch and just waiting for results. And he's texting me and he's like, Hey, look, nothing and like, Hey, your numbers are going to be coming down. Like just trying to tell me what's going on. And you know, like you had no, I used to have no idea. And, you know, it was like, Hey, you got the pathology report back. This was like 10 days after. And he's like, look, it's, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, 45% embryonic carcinoma and, uh, no, it was 40, 40, 30, 40, so that's four or five. So what is it? 40, 50. I don't even remember, but it was like embryonic carcinoma and then mature teratoma. And so the number started to drop you know, the right way is like, Hey, you know, everything looks like it should be good. But then come May, mid May, my numbers started to kind of rise up a little bit and they weren't kind of going down all the way. Uh, so, cause I was getting blood work every week, every week, every week. And then, you know, I ended up connecting with Dr. Einhorn, you know, and that was really cool being able to chat with him. And he was like, look, Danny, uh, you're probably going to have to do chemo. <laughs> like just pretty like straight up. like, and he's like, I'm pretty sure that's what you're going to have to do unless they all come down magically. But it's like, in my, in my experience, I've seen that you're probably going to have to do chemo, but you're going to be just fine. I said, okay, that works. <laughs> and uh, of course, like you, your mind's going, it's like, okay, well, I, I don't know what to expect, but it's going to happen. And it is what it is. And then I, I got this blood work results back and like it, like it went down. So I'm like, Oh, awesome. Like I think it's starting to go down. And my AFP was still kind of the same. It was still wasn't going down. So then that next week, my HCG like shot up to like 60. My AFP was like 58. And I, I already, like, I was talking to Dr. Cost and Dr. Kessler here in the University of Colorado because they're specialists for testicular cancer. And, you know, originally I was going to do them at another facility, but then, you know, the Testicular Cancer Foundation, you know, Kim got me connected with Dr. Cost. I'm like, look, I don't even care. I'm going to, I'm, I don't, I don't want to go with this other person, no offense to these people, but I want to go with a specialist. Like that's where I want to go and ended up switching all my care to them. And, you know, and I told Dr. Koss and Kessler, I'm like, look, let's just, I'm ready to sign the waivers right now. Let's, if, if I got to start chemo, I'm, I want to start it next week. Uh, like, let's just get, let's just get on the books and I'm ready to go. So, and then from there I started chemotherapy June 28th. And then, I mean, you know, went through three rounds, three cycles of BEP and, and, and then August 23rd was of 2021 was my last day. That's awesome, man. It sounds like you were, you know, really your own advocate, which is kind of rare. I mean, speaking up for your, standing up for yourself, asking for the ultrasound, not going with Joe Schmo doctor. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, it's just, you know, I think a lot of it came from the awareness also from testicular cancer foundation, like reading those forms, like a lot of people like, Oh, you got to go to a specialist. You got to go here. You got to go here. You got to go there. And that's why it's so important for, you know, what, what you guys are doing is spreading that awareness is you got to be your advocates. Like if, if no one, you're the only, the best advocate of your life is going to be you, right? It's only, it's not going to be anybody else. No one's control going to control your life except you. And, you know, and it's, it's, if you don't take care of yourself, no one will. So, I mean, yes, they look at the best interests of you, but 
you know, you only know how you're feeling and you know, the, the, the medical team is phenomenal and they're going to listen to you with what's ever going to be best for you. And they do. And that's like, you have to, you have to be like, look, I want to go here. I don't want to go there and, you know, find a way to make it happen. Jumping back to when your son uh, hit your crotch. I mean, when it swelled up, you think that was a coincidence or was that a result of him jumping on it? I mean, I think, I think it ended up, you know, honestly, like activating it. Like that's the way I put it. Like I think that's what my Dr. Jim Fagelson said. Like it kind of made a reaction. So it made it swell. So blood flew into the, into the testicle and that's what made it swell up. Hmm. So I was like, Oh wow. Like that's like call it like a, you know, grace of God. But I'm like, man, I, and it's crazy because throughout that process, I was like, again, running 500 miles an hour, ready to open up a ready new restaurant. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. We signed the letter of intent in January. And it was the weirdest thing because I was even talking to our, to our brokers. They're like, you know, they haven't signed anything back. This is the longest we've ever seen that they don't really respond. Like, this is really unprofessional. Then like, come on guys, like what's going on? And, you know, thinking back now, I'm like, if I would have signed that, I would have ended up going into that business. And honestly, I would have not cared or looked out for myself. So I'm like, everything worked out for, for some odd reason. Yeah. I mean, talk about the, um, going 500 miles an hour and then having to come to this sudden stop. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it sucks, you know, because you, when you have to do have to, when you have to actually come to a sudden stop, it's like, what do you do now? Right. And you know, you, you start thinking, you know, of course, all of us, you know, get into that, you know, that depression, like, why me? Like, why me? Like, and, you know, I think it's the attitude of saying, you know, okay, what am I going to learn from this? You know, like, what, what can I get out of this? And this sucks. And there's absolutely nothing. There's not some person that's going to come and touch me. and It's going to go away magically. You know, what can I learn through this process? Who can I impact through this process? And, what can I do after this process to, to, to really, again, a spread awareness, but be for me personally, what am I going to learn? You know, I think a lot of us go through this, do this like 500 miles an hour deal. And, you know, we don't actually appreciate what's life and what's, what's going through our, our life and going outside and listening to the birds. Like, you know, I host, I remember walking out of my chemo sessions and I would sit in a restaurant like, man, I can actually hear the music. I can actually hear conversations, not just like tunnel vision focused. And, you know, you know, with the sacred cancer being such a crappy situation through my family and my life at that time. But honestly, if, if I didn't, if I didn't go through that, I honestly wouldn't be where I am today right now and what I'm going through and how I take my days, you know, one day at a time. Yeah, that's great. So were you in your kind of position of power in the restaurant, were you able to step away totally or were you still involved at all? Yeah, I mean, I was able to step away, you know, to sort of the time being, you know, I was thankful to creating an awesome structure with my team and excuse me, that team and then being able to really take take a lot of the, a lot of it and my brother, you know, kind of being here and helping out as well. And, you know, I came to a couple meetings that would try to show up as much as I could and you know, I was in a special situation because I didn't have to be working as much and I could just literally sleep and rest the days that I needed to. That's why, you know, not a lot of people get that, get that. But, uh, you know, but for me, I honestly, I hated it because I couldn't be there. I couldn't do anything with anybody. And it was just, I was just tired and it was hard, you know, being at home, honestly, was a little more worse because my son at the time was a year and a half. And when he saw me on the couch, like he just wanted to play. 
and my wife would literally have to rip them off of me because like I was dead. I was tired. Like I didn't want to talk to anybody and the screaming, like after a day of chemo, like your brain and your head just hurts. And it's just like the smell and any little, little thing, like you just couldn't, you just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't cooperate. So honestly, I was like, man, I wish I was at work sometimes because then they gave me my space, but I was at home stuck all the time. And it was sometimes like, it was good, but it was also, it was tough in that aspect as well. Yeah. Did your son, I mean, maybe a, a year and a half didn't know exactly what was going on, but he noticed something was different. Yeah, he did. You know, he, he kind of started getting it at the end of the, at like kind of towards the end of my cycles of like, Hey, you know, Papa sick, Papa sick, you know, like he, he started kind of understanding a little bit and, uh, but you know, it was, he, he, he was good. He was good. I mean, for the most part, I mean, it was again, you know, it's, you know, when cancer hits you, it just doesn't hit you. It hits your entire family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it affects everybody it just doesn't affect one single person. And, you know, a lot of us that go through that, I mean, that's what we say. You're not alone. Like literally it's like, it's not just you that get cancer, like the entire family gets it. And in a sense, uh, you're the one that's going through that, but the other people that are hurting, like, even though they might not show it, just know, I mean, they're hurting in, in some sort of way. Like my parents never wanted to cry in front of me, but I even though they did, I'm like, just stop. Like, like that, that, that pettiness, like, you know, we're going to get through this. We're going to go through this. We're going to get to together, but you're crying and your emotions. It's not, it's not going to magically poof and go away. It's like, that's, that's going to make it worse. I need that. Hey, we're going to be just fine. We're going to go through this, that, you know, that motivation factor. Which stage were you? I was technically... They called me like a stage one S, but then then like stage two, like it was, it was an in between like stage one, stage one S, stage two, because my numbers never, I guess, went back to normal and they never jumped up tremendously. There was like microscopic, you know, cancer still in my system somewhere. And they thought it was probably going to be in my lower back uh, area. That's kind of where they thought it was. Uh, so they couldn't, cause it was so just still t- so tiny, but they noticed it grew just a tiny, like centimeter, like nothing crazy. But so that's why they're like, you're in between stage one and stage two. Yeah. So when you reached out to Dr. Einhorn and he was advising chemo, um, what were your doctors at home saying? Uh, they, they were kind of advising the same thing. And, you know, I think what Einhorn was for me was the reassurance, right? You know, although, uh, you know, my doctors here are are professionals, you know, I always love getting second opinions and the awesome thing about them was they supported me in it. You know, I was like, I think a lot of us when we're going through chemo, like round two, about to get into our third cycle, we're like, I don't want to do that third cycle. Like I'm done. Like you start reading all these things like, Hey, well, the university of Houston medical center or whatever, like the best cancer center in America says you can only, you should only do two. And then you start trying to read all these articles online and okay, maybe I only have to do two of secondly stage one S. And I even, you know, consulted with my doctors here during the time. And uh, I'm like, Hey, do I have to do that third round? Do I have to, and this and that. And they're like, okay, let me just like, let me, let me talk to the people in Houston. I have some colleagues out there and let me see what get their opinion. And, you know, they did their research as well. And like, they were super open talking and made me feel reassured. And they're like, look, we, we did our research and, you know, we still think you should do it. And, and that was always been my mentality. Like, look, if you guys like ask and you're truly transparent with me and I'm going to follow what you tell me, like, you're my coach, I'm your athlete. Like you tell me to go, I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, all right. So talk me, talk to me about your chemo. You said you did BEP. Did you yeah. have any like, notable events that happened during chemo two times kicked my butt <laughs> like out of like the times like there was two times that just i still remember absolutely just killed me and just like i was like oh my goodness and 
at, you know, uh, it was the Leo Milesen days, Leo Milesen days, the first day that I got it. Oh my gosh. I got home and like, I had the, like I was shivering for a solid 45 minutes. Um, and I couldn't shop like just big shivers and started getting all competitive. I started chugging water. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go to the hospital. You're not going to get me. I even get, I ended up getting like a one Oh two fever. Mm. Uh, and, uh, but I, I was, I was on the phone with my, my oncologist and she's like, okay, let's just say like, I don't want to send you to the the ER room yet and like can you like can you comprehend things like are you loopy i'm like no i'm like i'm just like i just know myself like ever since i was young whenever i got a fever like it would just hit me with a high fever like i never never would have gotten like sick but whenever i did get sick it would always just be high fevers i'm like no doc i'm just like just this is just annoying like i just have a high fever i'm drinking water and they walked us through like, Hey, take some Tylenol, then take some NyQuil, take some more Tylenol at this time and then it ended up dropping so i didn't have to go to the hospital um, and then this other time where like, I didn't end up eating enough. I want to say this was my, my last, my last week of my hell week. So it was cycle three after Friday, that Friday, that's Saturday. Cause everything like accumulates and just crushes you on the weekend. You know, that's Saturday. I didn't eat very well and I couldn't even get up the stairs. Like I had my dad help me get all the way up the stairs cause I was weak. And I'm like, I didn't, I just, just wasn't hungry that, that day. And you know, when you, when you're on chemo, you get these weird cravings and I really wanted like a prime rib. And then I, I ordered this DoorDash and the DoorDash didn't even get there. And when they got here, it was like raw, like it was super weird. I don't even know what I ordered. And I was just so pissed and like, I couldn't even get upstairs. And so those two days absolutely just wrecked me. Absolutely. was just, that was, those were the two that I specifically remember. And, you know, it's, it's when I am, when I encourage guys that are going through this, especially if they're athletes, I'm like, think about like, Think about like seasons, right? Like you got three, you got three cycles of BEP. You're, you know, the, the first cycle is like your preseason, like your body's getting used to this. You're getting into the groove of things. It's kind of like that preseason practice type deal. And the second, second round, it's like your season. Like that's like, okay, your body's getting used to it now. Like you know what to expect. Okay, go and kick ass. That third one is postseason. Like that's the state championship. That's the playoffs. That's everything. Like that's when your body is absolutely just starting to fail and crash. And like mentally, I'm like, okay, I've been here before. I've been on championship teams. Like just keep moving. Just keep pushing. Just keep pushing. And that when I walk and get that last, you know, bleomycin bag on my last day, like that's when you win the state championship or national championship. So that's a great analogy. Do I remember you posting a lot about you were walking and drinking a lot of water? which were both great yeah. things. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's, so it was kind of cool. Cause you know, I, I walked with my dad like every day and that was fun. And, you know, that's the one thing that I did realize that helped me a lot throughout the BEP process is I would, my goal would be to drink at least a gallon of water before I went into my sessions. And my goal was to walk more than a mile. And that's what I did for every single time I had a session, my first and second cycle, Again, you know, I, I thought about it, you know, how my body was going to react and, you know, I got some movement and got the, at least a gallon in and then I would drink another gallon of water during my five hours of, 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 of chemotherapy, of transfusions. So I would drink about two gallons of water and I feel like that's what really helped me, helped me throughout my process. And, uh, you know, my last cycle, like I didn't walk, like I was like, okay, I'm going to give my body rest, you know, again, like thinking about it, like as an athlete, as a, uh, you know, you know, a football guy, it's like, okay, we're not going to go as hard body because mentally and everything emotionally, it's going to be harder. 
So, you know, you, you just, you just, just give your body rest. So I didn't even walk my last cycle and except my last day. And, you know, when I walked into the first day, my first, my first day of my first cycle, I walked into the hospital and I told my mom, my dad, my wife, I'm like, look, when I'm done here, I'm going to walk home. And when I, when I, when my last day, I had like a bunch of people come and support me, I walked three and a half miles home from the hospital. Oh my God. Shout out to you. <laughs> so I was like, that was my goal. I'm like, I'm, I'm walking out of here. I'm not looking back. And I didn't, I like, I'm, I didn't even turn my back head once and just laser focus. I'm like, are you guys ready to go? I like, come with me. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not looking back. I'm just walking. That's incredible. Drinking all that water. You probably had a lot of that chemo pee smell. Dude, it was bad. And the thing is like some of us still smell it. Like, you know, you walk by something like it triggers like PTSD. Like I'm like, Oh my gosh, it smells like chemo. Like, and it just like, it makes you nauseated and it's just awful. And like, it's cool. Cause like all the Latin, like the nurses there, they're so cool because they're, you know, they're just hanging out and making sure you're okay. And like, I would pass like the nurse's office, like maybe like three or four times cause I had to go pee and like, like, you know, I was always getting up and it was fun. It was funny. Yeah. There's a type of laundry detergent that we sometimes accidentally get. And it reminds me of the smell of. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, you mentioned, you mentioned that um, you wouldn't be the person that you are today if it wasn't for going through this. How do you think that this kind of this journey has impacted the way you are as a business leader? It's uh, helped me understand take one day at a time. Uh, you know, it's if things don't get done today, it's fine. They're going to get they'll be there tomorrow. You know, it's uh, you know when you're in the chair, you really can't think about the future. You can't think about the past. Like you can only think about what what you can control at that moment. You know, it's it's the same thing when I'm sitting in this chair. It's like. I can't say shoot, we should have done that. Or, you know, I'm a visionary. So I like to think in the future and thinking that, and you know, it's, that's what kind of gets me fired up, but that's what I did when I was in chemo. Like I was like thinking about the future and what I was going to do and, and how I was going to do it. But, you know, it's, it's really helped me take, you know, literally one day at a time. That's, that's the best way I can put it. Be more patient, be more relaxed. Don't take everything so seriously. Um, enjoying life more than, more than, than I can. And, you know, and it's like, if, if you weren't thinking about doing something before cancer and then you have to get cancer, like you want to do it all. Cause you, you have no idea what could happen after that. Yeah, definitely agreed. Switching gears. Um, neither of us are medical professionals, but it is known that testicular cancer is on the rise in the Hispanic community. Um, mm -hmm. Is this something that you, before your diagnosis, you were aware of, happening more and no you know i wasn't and it's 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 i love that i love that question you know because us hispanics you know me being mexican you know you know you know my parents you know from mexico and i'm first generation mexican both my parents and there's there's a stigma of us of machismo you know men male mexicans especially and you know my uh my uncle's father-in-law passed away from cancer actually wow. and he he had a testicle that was the size of like a grapefruit but he was too much of him to go and you know even go in and ask to get it you know removed or whatever but when he did of course it was too late um you know and that's for me it's like look you know us 
us Mexicans, yes, we're, we're macho. Yes, we 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 tend to say like, oh, you know, we never go to the doctor and things like that. But no, it's important, right? It's like I had no idea, and uh, you know, that's something with awareness that you know I'm going to constantly keep pushing on my son and you know, or his friends or anybody even in you know my mom and dad's small town, like or anybody that I connect with. And it was it was crazy. I after my uh, after my treatment and everything, and I think it was in February, I took a Cabo trip and, uh, I was talking to this guy who was a cabana guy, like kind of the, one of the managers, like drink guy and in Cabo and him and I started talking. He's like, man, I was like, man, I had such a crazy year last year, all in Spanish. I'm like, I had such a crazy year last year and that's why I'm over here. And I'm like, I had cancer and this and that I didn't tell him what kind. And he's like, oh man, like I get that. Like he was like 40. He's like, I had cancer too, like five years ago. And it was crazy. And I get that. I'm like, what kind of cancer did you have? He's like, testicular. I'm like, no way. He's like, I had testicular cancer too. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't think he had to go through chemo or any of that, but I mean, it's, it's, it's more common than, than what you think. And especially in the Hispanic Latino community, you start to see, you're going to start seeing it more often. And, you know, I think it's one of those things that needs to be told and spoken about more often than, than not. Yeah, that's great. Um, just, this is just an observation where I am most Mexican restaurants are predominantly employed by, um, people of Hispanic descent. So do you kind of take this, do you have a sense of respons- responsibility to kind of impart on them this kind of thing? Or do you separate business from, I, I, I separate business from that type of relationship. They all knew what I was going through. I made it pretty public, like on my media pages, but I also do it in a sense of business as well. You know, every, in October or November, you know, we're also we're a brewery and I wrap our, our cans and, and like to your cancer awareness. So, you know, when even my employees see it and, or, our customers see it. I have an opportunity to kind of say, you know, I'm like predominantly, you know, people that drink beer, are mostly men and male. And I put my, I make my can, the Mexican lager. And then of course, Latinos and Mexicans, of course, they love their good Mexican lagers majority of the time. So whenever they do pick up a can and we'll put those in the liquor store this year, like they'll, they'll see it's like my photo and my story and, and just like that. So it's, you know, my, my job, I feel like my obligation is to raise awareness and in, in, in a way, in, if I'm in this platform, like if I have a platform in some sort, I want to be able to raise awareness in, in, in some sort of way. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's to me, it's like, I, I don't, I don't mind talking about it. And I think that's one of those things that all guys and anybody that listens to this is it's part of your story. You know, it sucks. It's a crappy part of our story in our life, but you know, there's a saying, you know, how, how great would it be if, you know, if, if the, if the hero in your journey didn't go through, tri- through tribulations, like how good of a story would that be? It's terrible if you don't, if you if your story is just completely like this and, you know, you don't have any ups and downs, like you don't, you're not going to go watch an action movie and there would not be any action, right? You're going to be like, that movie is just okay. You want to watch a movie that's going to be up and down and everything and, you know, not only going to create more awareness, but honestly, I think that's how you, the healing process is actually going to help as well. Being able to talk about it and not hide it. It's like, yeah, you know, I had cancer. Like I went to this like masterminds deal yesterday. And like, what's a fun fact about yourself and this and that, like whatever. I'm like, I, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And a fun fact about myself, I'm 30 years old and I'm a cancer survivor. Like, you know, it's, it's the healing process. It's the, it's the talking about it and not being ashamed of it. 
Yeah. And I want to take this moment to just recognize that TCAF has resources available in Spanish. Um, you can find them on testicular cancer awareness foundation.org. Um, but Daniel Ramirez, is there anything else that you want to add? Can't think of anything, Stephen. No, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, love, love what you guys are doing, like I said. And if there's always anything that I, that I can do for you guys, you know, love donating to you, to your guys' foundation. And, you know, it's, it's, you guys do an awesome job and love the continued awareness. And, you know, I think uh, we can only, we can start changing the world one step at a time and, you know, one, one podcast at a time. Is there anybody you want to shout out? Uh, definitely big shout outs to, you know, AJ, uh, you know, he was a big guy. And then, uh, all, all the, all the, all the people that helped me out there, you know, from Matt, uh, I forget their last names, uh, but like Matt, he's a big testicular cancer guy as well. A big cancer page that he has on Facebook. He helped me through that process as well. I mean, even to you, Steven, big shout out to you for you doing this and helping me through my process. Um, you know, to Kim, to the Sickly Cancer Union Society. I know you guys, they're different, but like, you know, different foundations. And, you know, of course, my wife, my family, and everybody that's helped me support through this, uh, through this process. I wouldn't have been able to do it without you guys. And you guys are, you guys are my day ones through this. Shout out your, your restaurants where people are going to be able to get the, <laughs> the beers. Oh, yeah. I guess so. Shout out to Los Dos, right? So Los Dos Patrios, Mexican restaurants, you know, out here in Colorado. Uh, you know, and if, we'd love to hear you guys' stories. If you guys ever come to one of my restaurants, you know, we'd love to sit down and we can talk shop and, uh, you know, about how you're doing. And I know there's a couple of us, uh, that had secure cancer that have been to my restaurants that are here from Colorado and, you know, always feel free to come by. And, you know, we got, we're, we're in Centennial, Littleton Parker, Highlands Ranch, Colorado. We're opening up in Castle Rock. Uh, next year, I'm opening up a new one this year in North Glen, a fast casual that's up north, 120th and I-25. And then I also have two food trucks that, that roam Colorado. So, and a brewery that you can find our cans uh, around the Denver metro area. Cool. That's happening in November. You're having those cans? Uh, so, the, yeah, the November cans are going to be happening in, in November. So, it's uh, Mail Awareness Month. And uh, make sure to send you guys some or find a way to send you guys some to, to kind of, you guys can kind of see the vision. And, uh, you know, we'll see last year we did the crawlers, giant crawlers. I had a couple stories of different can the secret cancer guys. So kind of give everybody their, their own can. And we'll see if we do that again this year, or, you know, we just stick to the, the one Mexican lager. Cool. Daniel Ramirez, thank you so much for being on It Takes Balls. I appreciate it, Stephen. Thank you. For more information and resources for your testicular cancer journey, visit testiculaircancerawarenessfoundation.org. You can also follow us on social media at Testis Cancer. We're on Facebook at Testicular Cancer Awareness Foundation.